1: Wow. Hello and welcome to the Born Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host Chris Broad and we're joined as always by England's top Japan enthusiast Mr. Pete Donaldson, Pete. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm having a coffee, coffee,
2: coffee uh, let's all drink coffee, because uh, for me it is very early, but for you it is rather later in the day, but you don't seem to care, your body
1: is treated badly by you. <laughs> My body is treated badly. No, it's only six o'clock in the evening. It's a good time for coffee. I'll be working Terrible until time. like midnight editing. Anyway, I'm in an awful rut at the moment where I keep going to bed at like three a.m., waking up what? at midday, and so my body clock is just a mess. And I suppose having a lot of coffee in the evening is a key part of that. But it's just the whole <laughs> editor's lifestyle, right? You know, you tend to find you edit better late in the. Kind of night or early in the morning mm-hmm. when there's no other distractions, but uh, I guess so. And no one's my... up
2: to sort of chat to you or text you, I guess. But well, you say, you say that, you, but yeah, there's you time the
1: difference, haven't you? time zone difference, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. How are you doing though? That aside, before we went live just moments ago, you revealed some disturbing news well, good news, depending on how you look at it of a liquor mm. store opening yeah. across the street from your apartment.
2: Yeah, the liquor store over the road from me has been closed since the uh, COVID pandemic. Uh, The rather convoluted, confusing and downright, I'd say dangerous advice from uh, Boris Johnson's government here in uh, the UK uh, has meant that people feel emboldened to open their businesses. And uh, yeah, the Posh Boo shop over the road uh, is open for the first time in a couple of months. So um, I'm just peering into their window, see uh, see what wares they've got on. Because I did uh, finish off a bottle of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Pretty nice uh, Japanese whiskey over the weekend. Spent a lot of money on it, and uh, yeah, absolutely pile into it. Um, I, I didn't expect to do that because I'm not a big whiskey drinker, but uh, delicious or so.
1: <laughs> oh, ichi. I find most most whiskey drinkers get into it in like the late thirties, early forties, and so is that right, is no,
2: that... so it's absolutely
1: bang on then. Yeah, um, Look. it was a, it was a Yamazaki twelve year
2: job. I thought, oh, uh, that's I thought I'll go posh. I go home, and then I went posh. I went home and <laughs> polished it off like an absolute maniac.
1: Where did you get it from? Where did you uh, find the, it?
2: the other posh booze shop down the road. <laughs> that one's been Brilliant. open since. That's been open uh, right through. There's, there's that. It's open. Uh, a Malaysian uh, or maybe Thai restaurant that does takeout and uh, a Taiwanese bubble tea shop. Now, I'm not saying that Taiwanese bubble tea isn't important. I'm just saying. It's not key worker status, is it, to provide tapioca pearls in tea? Oh,
1: no. If anything, it should be a crime. I've only had it once, and I was violently <laughs> sick afterwards. I hate bubble tea. I have don't you get had, it. I um, not Have you not had it. the cream cheese stuff? Cream cheese stuff is quite oh. nice. So it's like this floating kind
2: of... um no. It's like a, the head on a Guinness. They just put cream cheese in the top and in the bottom. <laughs> I like those. T- I like the the ones the little pearls that pop. They are like these little kind of like thin membranes and they, like they like, like like passion fruit flavor and yeah. nom, 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 Delicious.
1: Oh, just it's not delicious. I don't get it. I mean, they're they're here in Japan. Obviously, it's quite popular, yeah. but I, yeah, I've only I only ever see like fifteen year old girls buy it, and apparently you now. Yeah, with your cream cheese and the weebo
2: wishing cream tea.
1: <laughs> whiskey and cream cheese so I get a lot of people actually uh, message me about what brand of whiskey uh, I'd recommend now I don't drink whiskey right. but you are a whiskey drinker now as we've mm. established mm. <laughs> what brand would you recommend to people the most or what oh, like somebody, bottle somebody, is, there's Nikka whiskey there's yeah. uh, Yamazaki as you drink you know which one is the well, best somebody, in your opinion somebody
2: a uh, uh, bit of speedy Japanese Hibiki which I think means echo or ghost or something um uh that is uh the one that i had before that was very nice but i think it was very expensive it was a gift um but that lasted me a long long time um so a, a, an or like a, a good aged hibiki uh is really nice but i had i did have yamazaki over the weekend um i think it's yamazaki that sounds about right doesn't it um yeah and it was a it was a 12 year one and that was very nice as well i did put it in coffee on Saturday, which is very uh, decadent. I was having a, there was, I was having a Zoom-based uh, pub quiz, and I needed some pep in my step, so I put a little bit of whiskey, very expensive whiskey, into uh, a cup of coffee uh, like, I, I don't know, like like a, a famous writer might do before he starts writing, all romancing. Brilliant.
1: Nice one. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know what Hibiki meant. I should do. I did look it up secretly while you were talking. It means You're to true. resound or to be heard far away. Oh, not echo then. Oh, right. Okay. I well, see. yeah, it kind of echo reverberate to resound through time. Sounds You're quite romantic, doesn't it? It is right. Yeah, well, it, it is right, right. right. I'm glad I remembered it. Coolish one hand, Hibiki in the other.
2: Well, I had a, a, I had a uh, Hibiki. God, it it was like a real. You know, like those like six grand bottles. When I was in um, uh, Kumamoto, I yeah. got a like a thirty dollar. Shot of this really <laughs> ridiculously expensive Hibiki whiskey, you know, because it was just like, it was almost black label, kind of 17 year old, 23 year old mm. jobs. And I was like, well, uh, look, I'm not going to buy a bottle of it because they're like six, six grand or something. Um, six but i have, it's, oh, it's, I mean, they're ridiculously expensive. And if you, apparently, they don't even make them anymore. So if you see one, you should buy one anyway because it will just make you money. Apparently, that's what your friend told me, uh, up in, uh, in, um, Sakata, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, if you see one, you should buy one because they're very, very rare. Uh, but it was very nice. It was very, very nice. Probably not worth thirty dollars, but uh, the man lay, in the posh um, whiskey shops in Japan, whiskey bars in Japan, they uh, when you have a drink of posh whiskey, they place the bottle of whiskey mm. next to you so you can inspect the uh, inspect the label. It's all very ceremonial. It's a it's
1: a lovely way to enjoy a drink. Very decadent. I Very look decorative. forward to getting into it in about ten years' time. I yeah, my taste buds just cannot handle it. You're a uh, Moscow Mule man. I'm a Moscow mule man. Moscow mules. That's mm. that's what I'll be drinking for the next ten years before <laughs> I switch to whiskey and become mature. Um while you've been devouring the whiskies of the world, I've been answering a lot of questions this week about Japanese giant Japanese hornets, Um, it seems to be a bit of a news big kind of thing going on at the moment. Like, I don't know why. I think it's because the giant Japanese hornet has found its way across to the U.S. and has started uh, committing mass murder of slightly smaller bees. Have you ever seen a Japanese giant hornet? They're absolutely Um, enormous, two inches.
2: When When I started with you on your journey across Japan, uh, I saw a hornet that was just the biggest, it was like a bird, it was like a small bird. Uh, they're, they're just insane. They're horrible, they're, they're not particularly violent, though. I know they? they're just
1: little, you know, they're just shits. only if you like stumble across a uh, like a nest of mm. them or you kind of accidentally tread on one or walk sex near one. i the... <laughs> <What, what laughs> did you a uh, sex with a nest. Oh, uh... yeah. Where did you... That's a disgraceful piece of imagery right there. Where did you sit on Journey Across Japan? Was that before I met you, before, by the way? No, it was,
2: it was when you were dicking about with uh, the little um, gachapon about. machine uh, you had, um, Anpan Man or whatever his name is. Oh, you, right. you, were, you were doing some filming with that and there was the man who was feeding all those cats with a little... Oh, um, the cat man. A, a, the cat man at the start. Uh, and I encountered <laughs> what can only be described as a massive hornet. And I was like, bloody hell, that's massive.
1: Did you see its face? They've got a very distinct face, like a giant Japanese hornet. It looks like yeah, it's wearing like, a, like, like, like a face mask or something. <laughs> they were really angry looking, but kind of beautiful. <laughs> like uh, I remember there was one in my, there was one at the front of my apartment once that somehow just died. It was just by my door. I don't know what had happened to it. It was just laying there dead. So I got mm. to examine it up close. Well, I was a bit worried it was going to like come back to life and stab me in the face. Apparently <laughs> when you are stung by one, um, it is the most painful sensation on the world. I came across a YouTube channel. Um, I can't remember the name, but this guy uh, stings himself with various insects, mm, like the most no painful guy. insects in the world. And he, he got a Japanese giant hornet in some, like uh, he just clamped it down in something and then forced it onto his arm. And it took about a second. And then it, you can see it stinger, like Pierce's arm. Yeah, uh, Absolutely horrifying. And then he, it, he kind of lets go of the hornet, to let it fly off, but it's just stuck in his arm because the stinger, which is about, I think, it's about six millimeters long, just is so far in his arm it wouldn't come out, <laughs> and he's sitting there going, "Ah, oh my god!" And just in absolute pain while the hornet's just bemused, sitting there pumping poison into his arm. Horrifying. I think, I think it's absolutely worst. horrifying. I think
2: his worst one was the bullet ants. Uh, I remember watching that. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he the bullet it, ant. But the bullet ant, I think, is the worst pain, and uh, yeah, he was like hallucinating, and it's a, it's it's a, it's not it's not a um. It's not my favourite sort of YouTube watch, I would say, but it's a fascinating one <laughs> that man puts his body through. I don't even think he even does it
1: anymore, does he? I mean, I'm sure he's run out well, of I... horrible things to sting him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he's got like 15 million subscribers. I can't remember the mm. name of the channel, but if you just go into YouTube, guys, and it's just Ryotaro. type in just <laughs> Sprung by a Japanese giant hornet. The, you'll see all the videos there, but I did binge watch all of them, like the the fire ant that you mentioned and the various mm. other insects, and it's quite captivating. But after you watch like four videos, you feel like you've you feel like you've seen them all. You've had There's up, only yeah. so many times you can watch a man sting himself in the arm and <laughs> scream and roll around on the floor for half an hour. Um, but yeah, I'd, I've only had two encounters with them that have been a bit ominous. Like uh, one time, I was driving home from school back when I was a teacher, and I remember. I had the windows down, afternoon wind in my hair, and a Hornet flew in through the window, smacked into my head, and sort of landed on the seat next to me and then started buzzing around the car. And I was like, oh, my God, shit, what's that? Ah." And uh, luckily I wasn't in a built-up area, so I hit the brake, pressed all the buttons for all the windows to go down, and it managed to escape and fly out through a window. Um, Could have ended very badly, and it stung me in the face driving down the road. Second time, I was in a tea field with Ryotaro in South Japan, and I was trying to get some nice shots of the tea fields, like you do. And I felt this kind of, this insect on my head. It felt quite large. So instinctively, I just sort of batted it out off my head. Mm. And I heard this really loud buzzing noise and it sort of flew off. I didn't see it. But Riotore was standing on my, just like next to me a few feet away. He sort of said, oh my God, mate, that was horned on your head. That's my impression of Riotere. <laughs> and he's like, you almost got stung. It was incredible. That was the only two encounters I've had, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't know that the Hornet was on my head, because I think my reaction would have been very different indeed, Yeah, and it wouldn't have been a nice ending had it stung me again in the head, I, less I <laughs> removed from the tea field on a stretcher.
2: I don't think I've ever been... St- I've, 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 I was stung by a wasp once when I was on the waltzes when I was about 12, but it just mm. seems weird that that's the only time I've ever been stung, because... If you're familiar with the waltzers, it's just a big kind of gyratory thing that you get on at the fairground, and a wasp managed yeah. to find my arm and sting me. Um Ugh. it's just it so weird. But I've just—I've—I've I've escaped a wasping uh, or a being or a, or any or a horneting um, for all my life, which is horneting. kind of rare, I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the numbers were. Every year, about two dozen people are killed by bees in Japan, and that includes hornets, so it's only a a small proportion of that. So it is quite rare, and most of the cases where people are killed, they've been repeatedly stung a few times, or they uh, have suffered from anaphylactic shock, right, Mm. like you would do with a bee sting. So It is quite rare, Um, but I think it's just this alarming uh, kind of all these – it must be a bit alarming just living in the US and suddenly seeing these insects pop up, down the uh, down the west coast but hopefully they uh, they go away and they don't harass the bees because I don't yeah. think the bees in the US would be able to take them on i read that uh, normal asian bees have some sort of defense mechanisms so they can fight off hornets whereas in the US they just don't have that or north america they don't the bees there have no defense mechanisms so they'd actually just get butchered by the hornets but yeah oh, insects fun times the just avoid them walk. if you're in japan that's what we need don't make any sudden movements well, I thought this week, hornets aside and whiskey aside, talk about abandoned buildings. We've well, talked about abandoned buildings on and off over the years. We talked about the mm. Nagakin Capsule Hotel. Sorry, yes. not the Nagakin Capsule Hotel, Nag- Nagakin Capsule Building mm. uh, a few weeks ago, right? Both yourself and I love that building. Don't you, Pete, the old I Nagakin do. Capsule Building? Well, it's
2: because it's it's like, uh, it, it might get knocked down. It's a beautiful,
1: it might weird, fut- post-futuristic kind, of kind of building that we should all have experienced our lifetime absolutely and it, yeah go and check it out before it gets knocked down folks it's in uh it's in ginza um and it's not abandoned either it's actually still there still in one piece for now um though i think a few of the capsules are have been abandoned over the years but um i came across a story the other day of some folks that have come across a rotting corpse in their uh in a on their travels in a haunted hotel in south japan and <laughs> i i think i mentioned a few weeks ago i'm quite keen to do like a road trip series i'm quite keen to do like an abandoned building series and the word for ruins or abandoned buildings in japanese is haikyo easy it sounds a bit like haiku it's best mm. way to remember it haikyo um it's quite a popular craze right to go around exploring urban exploration but these two guys came across a hotel called the green hills hotel in miyazaki prefecture where you were last year Pete, and um they The building has been out of business since 1992. But there's a lot of abandoned buildings in Japan, and that's because there was a big 80s bubble where people had a lot of money to spend, money yeah. they probably shouldn't have spent on big structures and monuments and hotels and things, that a lot of them went under in the 90s. But because the people who built them didn't have any money to demolish them, they've often just stood there for decades and right. uh, just left to their own devices. But this hotel, the Green Hills Hotel, these two guys went in, they travelled down to Miyazaki and uh, the hotel, which has just stood there for the last 20 years or so, um, it's well known as being like a haunted place. So a lot of people, a lot of ghost hunters go there to explore it and check it out. And uh, apparently the front doors are open or rather the, the the kind of glass panels on the front door smashed to pieces. So you can just walk in if you want. And the guys started making their way up the hotel. There was nine floors in the hotel and they got to the sixth floor and they went into one of the rooms and they found a, a corpse lying face up on a bed, wearing a short sleeve shirt and dark pants with graying hair. The gender of the corpse couldn't be established because it decomposed so badly. Um, <laughs> and the guys sort of rang up the police and were like, um, we broke into a building. We shouldn't have, uh, we found a body. Go and go and do something with that. Mm. And, uh, they, they regretted their actions apparently going into the building because now they've got the image of a decomposed rotting corpse on a bed in their heads. But, uh, The risks of it kind of shows you the risk of going into these many abandoned places scattered throughout the country. But hasn't deterred me, I'm still keen to go ahead with that series and make some videos. What are your thoughts on that, Pete? Is it still worth the risk?
2: I mean, (laughs) I mean, one of my favorite things is just exploring abandoned buildings. There was a a, um, series of videos set in my hometown. Of Hartlepool, Mm. where a bloke who uh, isn't the most erudite bloke in the world, I have to say he's a bit of an idiot, Um, kind of just (laughs) sneaks into um, buildings that, uh, like quite famous buildings that were abandoned uh, back in the 80s or 70s in Hartlepool. Um, We had a big cinema in the centre of town on York Road and that just went to shit. Uh, in the 80s, I think, um, before I'd, I'd even visited it. And it's this kind of slightly attractive, kind of art deco kind of uh, building. Massive. And, and for as long as I can remember, it, it was it had been closed down. Um, and uh, the Hill Carter Hotel was this new arrival in the late 90s. It was going to revolutionise um, Hartlepool Town Centre because we finally had a big, nice new hotel that uh, stood right next to the train station. So we'd have lots of business traffic, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, again, that... <clears throat> That died, <clears throat> excuse me, and became uh, just a nightclub uh, within about three years. So this guy yeah. just goes round uh, these sort of buildings and 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 just seeing him wander into like a hotel room that has not been opened uh, but but it still looks like a hotel room it's still bedding there's still a bed there mm. you know and everything. It's just it's just and, and nature starting to take over um going into like the ballrooms of of the hill carter it's called hill carter hotel and uh, seeing the, the the fact that people have broken in but all they've taken is booze old expired cans <laughs> of stella and shit like that oh, uh, it's just like and 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 going through a, a filthy um um the filthy cinema where it just you know water damage has just meant that everything is really dangerous. He seems mainly focused on uh, the safes. He's very obsessed. Whenever he sees a safe, he gets very excited. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, these have been closed for like thirty years. There's not going to be any money in there. And if you find any money in there, you're not going to be able to use the money because it will have expired a long, long time ago. So don't worry about it. But um, <laughs> I love abandoned buildings. One of you know one of my, the more memorable uh, sort trips of to Japan was the last one when me and you went to the. Um, the abandoned um, uh, wedding venue that was obviously flooded oh, yeah. in, the, in the tsunami. And that was, you know, and, and you saw what I was like up there. I was climbing into every cupboard, climbing into every kind of crawl <laughs> space to check out what was up there. And, wow, I just love, the, the, I love it when time stands still in places. But, I mean, it just seems weird that, you know, they found this corpse and the gender couldn't be established due to decomposing. I mean, Ugh. really? I mean, that sounds crazy.
1: Well, you think they could have worked it out by the clothes, unless the person bonds? that died had shopped be- in Uniqlo. <laughs> <Well, laughs> well, it's it's just so clothing. generic,
2: yeah. This kind of yeah, yeah this, this this sexless person. But uh, it just sounds like a tragic. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just a homeless person or something. Or just or just use the building
1: as a. As some well, they of couldn't sleep. work out. The police couldn't work out if it was murder or if the person had committed suicide. Um, right, wasn't wasn't established at the time, but right, yeah. What a horrible discovery, right? I mean, I I always get a bit uncomfortable. I've been in a few abandoned buildings. It was really interesting going to one with you, actually, um, because that was the second time I visited that building. And if you're wondering which one we're talking about, folks, it's the one in the tsunami documentary back in March. Uh, It's at the start of the documentary, and it's a building that had been uh, destroyed completely by the tsunami but left to stand as a kind of testament, as a kind of uh, monument to what happened. And people can go in and have a look and see how... Bad the destruction was to appreciate it, but I've, I've been in there once before you you came Pete, and then mm-hmm. you came along and I was doing a bit more filming. It was fascinating watching you at work, crawling <laughs> through little spaces and holes. It was like a ladder, like hidden by some rubble and debris. Pete climbed over the rubble, went up the ladder, disappeared into a hole in the ceiling, and I was like, "Pete, are you, are you all right?" And I, went, roo, 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 roo. I couldn't hear what you he was saying, just like an <laughs> echoey noise. And I had to venture up the ladder. And have a look, and you stumbled across the little uh, film room for the wedding venue. It's yeah, like a room like filled with tapes a and computers of, and things.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, abandoned um, video tapes, and it's just stuff like that where they they might have something on them. You know, that, that's a that's an old chest mm. that might have something on it, and it's uh, you don't want to um, you don't want to sort of disturb because obviously it's a it's, no. it's a place that's. Uh, I did. I did. Um, I did steal a pencil though that was on the floor. <laughs> That's disgraceful. That's, that's that is naughty, isn't it? Is naughty. But I just thought, you know, yeah, no one else is using it. It was, it, was, it was a big packet of about 50 pencils, and I was like,
1: I'm going right. to take that
2: pencil. I'm going to take that dirty pencil.
1: <laughs> well, I got the impression that that room, it didn't seem like anybody knew it was there almost. It was just like disappeared, forgotten in the attic. But yeah. um, so it's, no, it's the most important. If uh exploring expeditions, I'm, I'll come with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean... One of the, As you said, the most interesting thing about these abandoned places is the fact it's kind of frozen in time, right? It's like going back in time. It's like a ta- time capsule of sorts. Mm. Um, one of the most famous ones, of course, is Gunkanjima, Battleship Island, just off the coast of Nagasaki. I've never been there. Um, everyone's always told me I should go there and make a video, and I've thought about it. I did think about going last year, um, but I think it got damaged by a typhoon and now boats can't land on it for tours and things. Mm. Um it's the build. Have you, you know which one I'm talking about, right, Pete? The one that inspired Skyfall. The Bond I don't film. actually know. No, no I, don't, I don't. What? I don't know that at all. No, you don't know this. I thought this. I thought we've discussed before. Gunkanjima is basically G- an island that used to be uh, coal mining place Mm. uh coal mining went took place there from the 1800s but it closed in 1970 and it's basically like a mini city on an island there's loads of there must be about two dozen apartment blocks all made out of concrete if you look from afar it looks really quite haunting it's something Mm. quite chilling about it having this city on an island on a small island that's just been left behind about 30 40 years ago Mm. um and now it's been left as a kind of unesco world heritage site as a relic of the Meiji Industrial Revolution. I'd love to go and check it out. Um, you see kind of people that check out abandoned places in Japan. It's always the first place on their hit list. Um, mm. But I'd love to go. That's that's like number one on my list. Another one that I've seen a lot of is the abandoned Western Village in Nikko. Did you check this out earlier? I sent I you a link. Check
2: this. I did check this out. Now, that is particularly spooky because it's just,
1: you know, like a little kind of attraction. <laughs> It's like a western themed it's like a western themed amusement park just on the outskirts of Nikko which is a really popular tourist attraction um in Japan a lot of folks go there particularly western uh foreign travelers go there and a lot of them do go off the beaten track to this abandoned western village a break into it just because it's so chilling and so unique they've basically just left it. It was built in 1975 and abandoned in 2007. But if you look at photos of it, just type in "abandoned Western Village, uh, Japan," and you'll see like CNN articles. There's YouTube videos. Mm. It's really quite chilling because there's lots of animatronic dolls that've just been left behind um, <laughs> in almost near perfect condition, or some of their faces are falling <laughs> off. And it looks a bit like uh, the TV series Westworld. A lot of people yeah. have called it like a Westworld film set. Um, they've even got a huge Mount Rushmore. Uh, build out, built out of plastic that's just been left there to its own devices. Um, I'd love to go there. That's probably the one I want to go to the most, and it's not that far from me. The only yeah. problem I have is if I go down there to film it, I run the risk of getting buggered because technically it's illegal to break, to break into these places, right? So mm. It's a bit of a tough one, uh, living in Japan and doing an abandoned video. I did think I might have someone who might be able to get me in there uh, legally, if we can f- track down the owner and get their permission, right, okay. so that's something I'm trying to do. Something I'm trying to do right now, but it would uh, be a weird way of looking. That's one place invader, I think to uh, in-, in infiltrating <laughs> an abandoned Western village. <laughs> <laughs> but what a reason? What a reason for leaving Japan? He he broke into a Western Western village theme park and got deported. Yeah, um, but there's a, a another really good one I came across on the YouTube channel, the Proper People, which is a really bold name for a YouTube channel, the proper people. And they basically again break into and wander through abandoned locations. And they went to Hachijo Island, which is a uh, an island uh, there's a chain of islands just south of Tokyo by about two about a two hour flight, I think. Um and Hachijo Island is very hasn't got much of a population anymore, but it used to be a very popular resort place. Uh folks used to just escape there in the summer. And there was a huge hotel called the Royal Hotel, which opened in the nineteen sixties during the island's first tourism boom. But it shut down permanently in 2006 after Japanese tourists started going to more exotic locations like Hawaii. Uh, But the hotel's huge. It's ginormous. And it's just been left to its own devices again. It's just been taken over by nature. And they went in and explored it. And that is a really great video. Type in um, the proper people, Abandoned hotel, Hachijo Island, or just the proper people, of Japan, and it'll be the first one that comes up. Um, over a million people have watched it. It's an incredible video. Did you check it out for yourself, Pete? I you did. Yeah, it, it, that reminded me more of the Hill
2: Carter, where it's just abandoned bottles of um, soy sauce and booze, and you know, yeah. it's it's just like you just expect, just because of you know, just just due process that that that, that someone. Or a team would come and you know strip all of the um all of the the the, the seats and the chairs and the metal and the o- ovens and the offices and the typewriters mm. and the fax machines you just assume that everything is getting stripped and everything's getting sort of um uh, uh, reclaimed effectively but you all of mm. these things all of these sort of buildings' are always caught in some kind of like legal dispute and you know rental and and and, and, and land leasing and stuff like that, so they just sign it kind of for a couple of years anyway they're kind of like caught in this kind of weird limbo and then eventually uh, in the cases of some of these they're just obviously left to uh left to rot um and nature kind of just takes over especially in like places where um obviously the weather is uh, very extreme in, in in japan there's a lot of earthquakes mm. so um, these things start to fall apart very very quickly and the and the greenery starts to grow through the floor and it's oh man it's brilliant <laughs>
1: It reminds me a lot of um, Fukushima as well. When I went through mm. the, for the Fukushima documentary, a lot of the buildings had been kind of destroyed initially by the earthquake, right? Because it was a mm. magnitude nine earthquake, huge, powerful earthquake that shook the buildings. Everyone fled the town, obviously, because the fear of radiation. And then these uh, this entire towns just left across the landscape, abandoned roads, houses, shops, streets, shrines, temples, left behind. Fascinating mm. stuff. I, We'd love to go and explore some of these abandoned places, though, and that is, like, one of the things I want to do the most this year. And hopefully, if you come over again this year, Mr Donaldson, I'm sure we can tempt you over, we can go and find some new ones together. What do you say? Definitely.
2: Or we could just go to a building that is actually full, and I'll just do something so dreadful, people will leave it, and it will be abandoned.
1: (laughs) Steal some more pencils, (laughs) the Pete Donaldson way. It was just a pencil.
2: (laughs) It's just a pencil, Chris.
1: I felt guilty Brilliant. about it. It still wears very heavily on my mind. So you should. Shocking behaviour. And now we turn our attention to the fax machine. And before we get to the fax machine, guys, if you have any abandoned buildings or places in Japan that you've checked out, uh, that you've seen or want to recommend to us, let us know at Podcast at gmail.com. We're always open to ideas and places to explore and discover. But for now, what's the fax machine got this week, Mr. Donaldson? Well the fax machine actually I was reading this morning that uh the
2: uh, the coronavirus the covid-19 uh, virus might um, might kill the fax machine in Japan uh, because uh doctors, and, uh doctors and doctors and people are kind of a little bit uh, annoyed at the fact that um you know if you want tests if you want your test results uh, you've got to use a fax machine and stuff. And obviously it's very antiquated technology. And it's quite weird huh. that, that, that in uh, 2020, 2020, uh, let's go with that, uh, that Japan is, is still using fax machines for that uh, side of the, the life. So it may, it may like not getting your test results quick enough because of the fax machine may um, possibly um,
1: kill it in the end. Probably not though. And cause... rightly so, to be honest, it's completely yes. outdated. But nevertheless, <laughs> so I don't think we'll be... I don't think we'll be changing this segment anytime soon. It's got to be, no, called, the it, it will be called the fact machine. the uh, fact
2: machine. Alec We've from already... Lebanon, uh, currently stuck in Tokyo, says, Hello, Chris and Pete. It's Alec from Lebanon. Uh, Long time listener of the podcast and subscriber to the channel. I'm sending you this email to tell you our story. My girlfriend and I have been stuck in Japan since April 5th. Our home country's airport is closed and there's no way for us to get back. And to the fact that Lebanon is going through an economic crisis and all our credit cards have been frozen. We've been relying on wired money from Lebanon. My visa also expired, so I passed by the the Immigration Bureau in Shinagawa to ask about visa renewal but the lines were crazy and it just looked very intimidating so I ran away have you ever had to do with the Immigration <laughs> Bureau in Shinagawa and what are the tips and tricks to go in and out as fast as possible many thanks for your efforts and keep up the good work we've got a we've got a Lebanese person on the loose in Japan fantastic this is so exciting uh, maybe we should ask uh, Carlos Gorson uh, for a, uh, an escape route to Lebanon might come in handy get in the music box Alec getting
1: the music. Box.
2: <laughs> get in the what an music interesting box. story. What what they, I think this is the most exciting email we've had.
1: We've had that's the second person I think who's been left behind or stuck in Japan. I can't remember where the other person was going. I think it was a Euro, European country. Can't yeah. remember. But God, poor old Alex. I mean that's that's not that can't be too fun. I hope it's not been too expensive, Alec. Jeez. Um I I've heard horror stories about this immigration. like this immigration centre in Shinagawa, because it's like the biggest one in Tokyo, biggest one in Japan. The queues are always never-ending. But fortunately, because I live in the north, in Sendai, nobody's ever in the queue, so I don't have to queue at all, basically. Um, So that sucks, though. Um, My advice, just stay... Yeah, I don't have any advice. It's not a situation I can. I'm sure there'll be some special.
2: I'm sure there'll be some special dispensation. I don't think there'll be any uh, um, exclusion orders issued for people who've just had to hang around because Lebanon won't won't accept um, people to their airport, which sounds baffling, absolutely baffling. But you know, (laughs) some countries are dealing with things slightly different.
1: Where I, What I want to know is, where are you staying, Alec? Mm. Um, I think you just said you're currently stuck in Tokyo, but what kind of accommodation are you using? It would be quite interesting to hear more. Feel free Abandoned to uh, drop us a message. <laughs> God. I hope we get you on soon, in a good lady. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Mm. But, uh, yeah, let us know. I would like to know more, Alec.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card.
1: We could call it Pete and Mark's Colossal Tassel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we
2: didn't. We called it Wrestle Me. Wrestle Me, Mark. Wrestle Me, Pete. A celebration of all things WrestleMania and beyond. And you may be thinking, I'm not really into wrestling. Well, don't worry. There's something for everyone. To be honest, it's mainly about stuff like this. So hang on, Easy Lover was the original theme on WrestleMania. It was. Someone heard it on the radio and went... That
1: sums up everything about <laughs> WrestleMania to me.
2: And this. You can really see the old back acne on test. Yeah. And this. Is it worth reminding people of what Earthquake John Tenter looked like at 23 years old? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this for the record marty has made it very clear and i agree and believe him that he has never a had sex with his daughter or b wanted to have sex with his daughter
2: and the people behind the face paint doing the most unique job in the entire world get it wherever you get your podcasts that's wrestle me wrestle me mark wrestle me beat and
1: um, we've got one from christina who says hello chris and lord donaldson lord yes. donaldson no less why do you always get the good titles Late. uh my name my name is Christina, and I'm from Bulgaria, currently living in Germany. My question today is about capsule hotels. Exactly a year ago, me and my boyfriend, Martin, went on a trip to Japan. Now, after Chris's videos on the subject, I couldn't wait to try them for myself. I guess I was a bit too excited, so I booked not one, not two, but six nights in Akasaka Nine Hours Hotel in Tokyo, which, let's face it, was not a very sharp decision, considering the fact that all your belongings are stuffed in a tiny locker in the basement. That sucks. Anyway, I, I myself am quite petite, uh, just above 1.5 metres. So it was like being in a fairly large Japanese apartment. But my boyfriend, on the other hand, who is 1.93 metres tall, uh, struggled with the capsule a bit. But that wasn't the main problem. As I had the best time of my life, sleeping like a baby, my boyfriend couldn't get a single hour of sleep during our stay there. Apparently, some of his neighbours were very rude, talking on their phone in the late hours of the night, and stomping all around the other capsules. I don't remember... Pete boasting about sleeping in a capsule hotel, but if so, have you guys faced the same old problem and how did you deal with it? Or perhaps it wasn't worth the bother when you usually spend only one night in such a hotel as any sane person would. Best regards, guys. Keep up the podcast. Video's coming. Stay safe. Christina from Bulgaria. Oh, God. I don't envy you there. That sounds like a horror story. I mean, (laughs) last time I stayed in a capsule hotel, I agreed to myself I would never do it again. I booked in, I think, about three or four nights uh, but after like the second night I just had to leave because I just couldn't sleep. Not only do they sometimes not get proper ventilation, like my one was just like an oven and there was no air coming in or out, it was horrible. <laughs> um but like my neighbours were just really noisy. They'd burst in at like two AM drunk, going, way, way, that they were foreign tourists, to be fair. Um typically you find Japanese customers are a bit a lot more careful, you know, a lot better at keeping the noise down. Um, but I mean, yeah, I I vowed to myself that night I would never stay in a capsule hotel again. And to be honest, for the price point, you can stay in a capsule hotel for about four or 5,000 yen. For an extra 2,000 yen a night, you can get a reasonable business hotel, like an upper hotel. And sure, the rooms are tiny and it's like being in a bloody box, but at least you've got your own bathroom, your own bed and a bit more space. But I know you've stayed in a capsule hotel last year, Pete. What were your thoughts on it?
2: In Sapporo, yeah. No, it, it was perfect. Uh, quiet, cheap, serene. Perfect. It was, it was really ticked a lot of boxes for me. And it was fantastic. On every corner, there was a little humidifier to humidify the air. It was uh, fantastic. I'd like, uh, I had, like, full um, showers and free razors and free toothbrushes, and it was just a really premium experience. I forget what the company was in Sapporo, but, uh, yeah, I I recommend that particular brand because it was smashing brand new. Uh, How much was it? Oh, God. I don't think It was was like 30 quid, 30 30 pounds a a night, I think. It was was really, really good. I I, I very, very Mm. much enjoyed that.
1: What I would say is, if you are, if you do have your heart set on a capsule hotel, folks, do your research and make sure it's a decent one. Although to be fair, the Nine Hours Hotel chain that uh, Christina stayed in is pretty good. I think it's just a bit of bad luck that the neighbours weren't very good. Mm. Um, yeah, the one know. that I stayed in, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's the one—the the only capsule hotel video that I've ever made—and that was a really good hotel. They gave me two pods. Did you see that? I got not only right. a sleeping pod, but one beneath it where you can just sit and chill out whenever. Like, it's got a little table in it. I think, if I think, very cool. We can sit and watch TV. It's pretty funky. Oh. Yeah. What do we got next? I was just searching for my inbox for uh,
2: for a capsule, a capsule hotel, hotel. to Figure out which which one, which one I went to. <laughs> but
1: I can't. I can't really find it. Uh, next I up, I wonder if Alec. I wonder if Alec's staying in a capsule hotel mm. could be.
2: Indeed. Um, Rod has got in touch. Uh, Hey, Chris and Pete. (laughs) Good God. Any thoughts on the topic (laughs) of gaijin hunters? Is it a concern for new visitors or residents to Japan? By the way, is Ryotaro name uh, pronounced Ruatoro? Just curious because that's what it sounds like on the podcast. Uh, Keep up your efforts. It's a blast to hear you all. Rod. Horny Rod.
1: (laughs) Horny Rod. Um, let's nip the second bit in the bud first. Ryotaro's okay. name is Ryotaro, Ryotaro. I can't even do it. It's it's mm. well known that I can't pronounce his bloody name. It's like I heard, him,
2: I heard him listening to. Uh, I heard him do some uh, Spanish
1: uh, this week on his uh, on his little video. Oh god, it was quite, quite enjoyable. Showing off his skills. Of course he was. Um, <laughs> his his nickname's Taro. A lot of his friends just call him Taro, um, ah. but I just find that sounds odd. So I just call him Ryotaro. <laughs> which it works. As for the subject of guardian hunters, what is a guardian hunter Pete? Let's see if you know. Uh
2: I believe it's a mythical uh woman who uh from Japan who fancies westerners. Uh I've yet to encounter one. <laughs> I, <I've>, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever known anyone who's encountered any uh and it's just a thing that uh, we bought horn dogs uh, invent uh in the west uh to make them feel a little, a little bit better
1: about <laughs> <laughs> Loveless lives. They, <laughs> they're few and far between. I've certainly met a few, though, uh, living in uh, Yamagata, because we had a community of about 80 English teachers. Often you'd gather with um, some locals, and you'd always get the same sort of locals turning out, many of them definitely hunting, definitely looking out for potential foreign partners, and many having success, to be honest. Who's but, not looking uh, for love? <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. I think it's... Uh, Wow, I've I've never really encountered one myself, apart from those parties. And it's I think a, it's, it's a trope than...
2: that's unhelpful
1: uh,
2: to anyone yeah. who is interested in Japan uh, and going to Japan a lot, because I think people think, well oh, you go to Japan a lot? Are you handsome there or something?" <laughs> I'd like to find yeah, out. Yeah, I think I'm not handsome anywhere. it's,
1: <laughs> oh, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> no, you're handsome. You're a handsome young oh. young man with mate. a great haircut and fucking good style. Um, <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it. Don't know where I'm going. Just no, they're not that common. And when you come to Japan, you might think, "Oh, I'm foreign. All lots of lots of great things are going to happen. The girls are going to be interested in me." Actually, quite the opposite. Um, from my experience, <laughs> Japanese girls are not that interested in foreigners because it's quite quite complicated to date someone that doesn't speak your language or doesn't understand your culture particularly when you're presenting said foreigner to your disapproving parents um, we've talked <laughs> about that before but it is it is tough it's not as easy as you think um, and when people are looking for, another for a relationship it's not all
2: it's it's it you know the last thing they want is a relationship with someone who's there for a couple of weeks you know it's not it's just not yeah it's
1: just um useless We got one here from Sophie says, Hey, guys, uh, I've recently discovered Chris's videos and your podcast and I've been binge watching everything during lockdown. I live alone in London. So thank you for keeping me sane. Uh, One thing which has surprised me about Japan, which I've learned through your videos is the cash based economy and lack of technology adoption like Deliveroo. Considering how Japan is often so advanced when it comes to electronics and similar technology, why do you think they're always behind on things like using electronic payments? Many thanks, Sophie. And that's interesting. That ties back in with our previous point about the fax machine being or going extinct Mm. potentially in the future. Um, Why do you think that is, Pete? What are your thoughts on that? You love technology. You're all things technology. Yeah, I mean, well, they've got that
2: kind of like eighties kind of futuristic technology vibe. If you go to any kind of like uh, big Camera to check out all of the new technology, it's always very specific Japanese solutions, very small Mm. units, uh, uh, like a lot of like irons and things to iron your (laughs) salaryman shirt and stuff like that to make yourself (laughs) presentable. So it's it's all solutions for that kind of thing. The rice cookers at the airport, etc. The rice cookers. It's 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 stuff that doesn't get sold outside of uh, outside side of japan so they're very specific technology mm. that doesn't go anywhere else um but uh yeah pay for stuff like i mean you've got the sweeter cards and the and the different kinds of um Sort of Oyster Card kind of payment options, but uh, mm. yeah, chip like chip and pin you can use pretty much everywhere, but it is a little bit more complicated, and and obviously it it has got a little bit better um, over the years that I've been traveling in Japan. Um, so yeah, most shops will will accept chip and pin from Uniqlo to Seven Eleven, but uh, it's just uh, a few more hoops you got to jump through. It's very slow. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've yeah, I mean, I, it's quite nice going to like Europe or the US or Canada, anywhere like where there's places where you can actually just use your credit card and just tap on things and it pays because mm. that seems to have not made it here yet. Um, what I will say is Japan, what you were talking about earlier about Japan making things that only sell in Japan, it's called the Galapagos effect. Um, really? They find like a lot of Japanese electronics companies only focus on the domestic market, which to be fair is pretty big. You know, Japan has mm. got a huge domestic market of 130 uh, million consumers, but they had phones here that were well ahead of us back in the early 2000s like there was Toshiba phones that had televisions and things built into them they mm-hmm. were having they had 3G I think before we way before we did yeah. um but then they got leapfrogged by Apple and Samsung and now a lot of the tech companies in Japan are actually behind. So, yeah, yeah I, I find Japan isn't the tech powerhouse it once was, unfortunately. But it is still very, very kind of exciting and interesting going into a Japanese electronics shop because they're so very different from what we've got back home. There's just so many weird devices. Mm. Um, we've got one here from Brett Van Ostenbridge. I'll let you read that Beautiful. out, Pete. Hi,
2: Chris and Pete. I have a question regarding Japanese etiquette expectations towards foreigners. I have a Japanese friend I made online a few years ago. I followed her on Instagram because I like the pictures of bento she makes for her children. She followed me back and actively likes my post as well, but we don't talk because neither of us speak each other's language. Despite the language barrier, we've always uh, sent each other a happy birthday greeting in English every year. Normally, she likes my greeting and says thank you. But this year, for the first time, I tried to use her name, probably her first name, in the birthday greeting, and got no response at all. Is it possible she found me rude for wanting to use her first name and/or not using honorifics? So I wanted to try and be more personal, and thought, since I'm an English-speaking foreigner, there may not be the same expectation of formality. Now I fear my good intentions have backfired. Do you suppose I upset my friend, or has she just forgotten to uh, write? Thank you to Pete. For all the fun and information experience you have shared. Oh, thanks. Sorry. Thanks to you and Pete for all the fun and information uh, you have shared, Brett Van Osterbridge. She probably just forgot. Instagram and that is really busy, isn't it? It's 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 hard to get back to everyone, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't take that too personally, Brett. I think she just forgot. I, there's no way you offended her by using her first name. Um there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, I think it's just a straight up been forgotten, been ignored situation. Maybe mm. drop her another line, drop her another message and say, hope you're did well. You, um, did you get my first message? I like bent all that bent you made for your kids. Now answer me, woman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe avoid the threatening undertones of Pete Donaldson when you do message her back, Brett. <laughs> But uh, best of luck. Sorry to hear that, but I'm sure she'll, she'll message you back. Send her something. Send her a nice message. I've uh, got one from Tyler. It says, Hey, Chris and Pete, I'm Tyler from Las Vegas in the United States. Longtime viewer of the channel and listen to the podcast since the beginning. I listen to the podcast at my job sourcing and buying airplane parts. That's pretty wow. cool. The podcast actually helped me discover Pete and the legendary football ramble, where I get to hear about how, my, how poorly my team, Tottenham Hotspur, are doing. Uh, chapter, my question. File. I don't. You want to talk about
2: crappy football
1: teams? No, you do that. You do that on your football ramble. <laughs> keep this place clear of your football. My question actually has to do with tea. I'm a big fan of tea and the Japanese green teas in particular. Sencha, matcha, etc. I was wondering what the tea culture looks like in Japan today. Do people offer you tea when you come to their homes or is it just reserved for formal tea ceremonies while everyone has Starbucks? Would love to know. Please stay safe and healthy. Can't wait for more content to keep me going during the pandemic. Best, Tyler. Um Good question. We don't get many questions about tea. What I'll say is, whenever you go in someone's house, they will offer you tea. Uh, And whenever you go for a business meeting, you'll either be offered tea or coffee. And I, admittedly, always go for coffee, because as much as I love tea, you can't beat the good old caffeine rush of coffee. People say green tea's got caffeine in, but I've never found it's had much of an effect. Do you drink tea, Pete? Are you a tea drinker? Um...
2: I do, uh, I team? do. I'm, I'm Earl Grey uh, on a on a fancy day. I'll have a lapsang, uh, but uh, yeah, mainly a coffee drinker.
1: <laughs> I don't know why that, that line triggered me. On a oh. on a fancy day, I'll have a lapsang. That's, lapsang Suo best
2: P-O-S-H, posh.
1: That is that's the best bit of the podcast so far. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, whenever you're going going somewhere, they will be offered tea here, and yeah, it's it's pretty. Drunken pretty widely, to be honest. And matcha green tea in particular, um, most sweets have some sort of matcha in them somewhere. And Starbucks has a pretty good range of teas as well over in Japan. So if you love tea, this is the place to be. Um, That is all the questions for now, though, guys. Keep the comments, questions, stories coming in to podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back same time next week to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, stay safe. And we'll see you next Wednesday to do it all over again. Now tea, now now tea, now tea, now Pete, you can go off and have your lapsang. I'm drink. off to have me like lap uh, lapsang, lapsang whiskey. Look
2: after yourselves, lapsang and whiskey. Can you imagine? Good lord. <laughs> See you later, everyone.
1: Bye.